So you know that old saying, money can't buy happiness. Do you think that's just an old, tired cliche? But even though it is a cliche, does it still hold some truth? Or is it just absolutely and patently false? Can having money help you to be a happier person? There have actually been several studies done examining this question. I'll tell you what the research says coming up next. Helping you grow deeper on your spiritual journey. Welcome to The Inner Life with Josh Raymond. So happy to be back with you here on The Inner Life. Thank you to Patrick Conley for filling in yesterday. Uh, he always does such a wonderful job. It's always nice to be able to leave the show in his very good and capable hands. I am Josh Raymond, and it's always a joy to be able to spend this time with you here as we look at different aspects of our spiritual life, Our, our this hour that's devoted to spiritual direction here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. So when it comes to that correlation between money and happiness, now at a very basic and fundamental level, because we need certain things to ensure our survival, things like food and water, shelter, sleep, you know, that sort of thing. If we have the means to obtain these sorts of necessities, your brain lets you then experience this sense of reward when you are able to provide for yourself. And since your brain recognizes that receiving money means that you can more easily obtain these kinds of necessities, the acquisition of money then, uh, it, it, it lets you feel rewarded. It lets you experience motivation. This is according to a 2007 study conducted by the Wellcome Trust. Well, with two L's there in Wellcome. So if you are experiencing those positive feelings of reward and motivation, this could then, of course, be associated with happiness. And this can naturally lead to the thought, well, if money allows me to feel, you know, if it provides for uh, our basic needs and that lets me feel those those emotions, those feelings, the more money I have, the more rewarding I should feel, right? And that equates to greater happiness. This is not the case, though. More money does not mean more happiness. Uh, There have actually been numerous studies about how excess money does not, it can actually have the opposite effect. This is because we all have a limit on how rewarding anything can feel. Think about when you're really hungry. When you're really, really famished, you haven't eaten for hours and hours, and you finally sit down in front of some food. That food tastes so delicious. But after you eat for a little bit, if you've already kind of satisfied your hunger, then the food, it doesn't taste quite as good. And if you keep eating, rather than having that rewarding feeling, you start making yourself feel uncomfortable. Even with things like shelter and security, if you build too many barriers around yourself, You can feel isolated. Another study, this one was from the San Francisco uh, State University, it showed that when we go beyond the point where we are financially secure, whatever that means to uh, each unique individual, but when you go beyond that point, money can still be rewarding, but its power to make you happy is significantly reduced. But if you have that extra money, how you use it, After all your needs are met, after reaching that point of being financially secure, how you choose to spend that extra money, that's the thing that can have ramifications on your levels of happiness. In 2017, researchers from the University of Zurich in Switzerland, 
they worked with a study group of 50 people. And they told these 50 people they'd be receiving about $100 over the course of a few weeks. And they divided the group into two halves. Half of the people were asked to spend that money on themselves. And the other half were asked to spend it on someone else, someone that they knew. The researchers, they performed functional MRI scans on the different participants to measure activity in three different regions of the brain. And these regions associate with social behavior, with generosity, with happiness, and with decision-making. And now the people in this study had vastly different results depending on how they spent the money. Those who had planned to spend the money on other people, well, they tended to make more generous decisions throughout the entire experiment compared to those who planned to spend it on themselves. And the ones spending the money on other people, they also had more interaction between those parts of the brain associated with altruism and happiness And on top of that, they reported higher levels of happiness after the experiment was over. So do you want to be happy? Well, (laughs) then be generous. Are you a generous person? Or do you find yourself a bit selfish, maybe with certain select things? If you do find it hard to be generous here and there in your life, you're probably not alone. I think all of us, even if you are a generous person, we all struggle with being selfish at certain times. Well, today is the Feast of St. Nicholas, someone who exemplifies generosity and charity. And today, we want to look at his example and ask some questions. How can we identify those areas in our lives where maybe we are a bit selfish? And is that selfishness, is it making us unhappy, even a bit? How can we embrace an attitude of generosity in our thoughts as well as in our actions? And joining us is our spiritual director today as we look at those areas of selfishness and how we can be more generous. Father Chris Stubna is back with us once again. Father Stubna is a priest of the Diocese of Pittsburgh. He's the rector of the St. Paul Cathedral Parish there in Pittsburgh. Father Stubna, welcome back to The Inner Life. Thanks, Josh. It's very nice to be with you today. Yeah, glad to have you back here on the program, too, on uh, this Feast of St. Nicholas. And so before we dive into some of our, you know, the, the, the application, the practical side of how we can grow in generosity, how we can avoid greedy and selfish behavior. Let's start with St. Nicholas. Can you tell us a little about his life? What do we know about St. Nicholas? Sure. He's a, you know, he's an interesting saint because historically we know some things, uh, but not a lot. But despite that, he, he has become really one of the most beloved saints of the church. With a, with a great deal of devotion in many different parts of the, of the world. Uh, we, we know that he was uh, a man born into wealth and his parents died at a very young age. Uh, uh, so he, he really um, entered into a, a situation where he had inherited a great deal of, of means, uh, but he was known for his holiness. And when, uh, when the seat in Myra, which was in uh, Asia Minor in Armenia, became vacant, uh, he was he was selected as the bishop of that diocese. He was known for his piety, uh, known for his great zeal. Um, it was at the you know he lived in the fourth century, so we were right smack in the middle of the Arian heresy. Uh, uh, he's it is said by some uh, that he attended the Council of Nicaea. Uh, uh, Saint uh, Saint Methodius, for example, writes about Saint Nicholas and and uh, commends him for how he protected the people in his diocese from the Arian heresy. But he, he's known to have been uh, persecuted 
uh, for pushing back against the Arians, for defending, uh, you know, the the true faith about Jesus Christ. And uh, at several points, he even was uh, was exiled from his diocese. But uh, it is reported that, you know, Our Lady herself uh, uh, interceded and uh, it even appeared to him and was able to restore him to his see. So uh, he really is a defender of the faith. We, we think of the great doctors of the church and others that are more well known, but St. Nicholas was right in the middle of that fray, um, you know, fighting the Arians, uh, trying to protect the faithful, especially in his own diocese and in the church. Mm. From from the from the heretics. Well, and then a contemporary of Augustine and Jerome yes. and some of those others that we, uh, you know, when you when you say the Council of Nicaea, that's more where my mind goes. I wouldn't think Saint Nicholas associated with that. Right, right. So it's it's a it's something we have to keep in mind because he he obviously uh, um, you know had a great intellect a great mind he was a theologian uh, and and really uh, was right in the fray of, of of helping the church to pass through that period but i think more uh, of what we think about when we think of saint nicholas as you uh, said at the beginning is uh, is his tremendous generosity right. uh, and the stories that are related to to cal- to kind of how he put his uh, life at the service of the poor uh, I guess the most well-known story, of course, is that um, he uh, came to know a poor man in his diocese who had three daughters, uh, but he had no means. And so he would have been unable to provide the, the dowries that were required for marriage, and they very well could have ended up uh, uh, you know, down a path of prostitution or other things to support themselves in a family, which often happened at that time. And uh, but out of a sense of, of um, you know, not wanting to to make the poor man feel beholden to anyone, uh, it's reported that he he went in the dead of night and, and threw a bag of coins through the window, uh, uh, you know, anonymously, never known, which provided the dowry for the first daughter and, and the second followed later and the third followed later. So 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 three bags of coins that that helped to free uh, this family from poverty and to and to allow his daughters to to enter into marriage and a and a more happy life. Uh, apparently, at the third uh, and final diary, the the man was able to recognize him and know who he was, and so the legend began to be spread. But but in addition, there are other stories of of uh, Saint Nicholas, you know, sharing his means, uh, inviting the church. Uh, you know, in his diocese to share their means to help the poor, but to do it in 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 ways that didn't draw attention to himself or to others. A real sense of of generous giving um, that inspires us, really. That 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 we give out of our means uh, as a sense of of gratitude to God for what we have, and also answering the basic fundamental Christian call. To help other people, most especially the poor, those in need, it's a, it's it's a requirement to be a Christian, to follow Jesus, that we are mindful of the poor. Well, you know, let me ask you about that. As you talk about giving out of our means, there's that famous story in the Gospels where Jesus, he's with his disciples, they're they're at the temple, and they're watching some wealthy people put their offerings into the treasury there. And then he points out to his disciples this poor widow that's coming up. This is in uh, the 21st chapter of St. Luke's Gospel. 
and he he says this widow she comes up she puts in two small coins and he says i tell you that this poor widow put in more than all the rest they made um, offerings out of their surplus wealth she from her poverty has offered her whole livelihood uh, so you know when we're talking about this there's never been a time i think in my life where i've you know, maybe it's a little bit of a stretch where I've been generous, but never to the point where <laughs> I would I would have to worry about you know, am I going to pay? Am I going to be able to pay my bills next month, or am I? You know that. So there's kind of this this juxtaposition of how much do we give, and you know, we look at this widow, and Jesus doesn't he doesn't tell everybody else. You need to be exactly like this. He just makes a point mm. that this woman has given so much more than those who have given from their surplus wealth. Yeah, it's it's a powerful story in the gospel. Very brief, but but one that evokes a tremendous you know sense of of, of of amazement that this woman who had nothing would be able to give it all to help others. And I think that is at the heart of what it means to be generous. Uh, on the, on the one hand, you know, it's very interesting and com- comforting to know that Jesus notices her. She would have been unnoticed by anybody. You know, widows were the least of the least. No one would have thought twice about seeing her there or noticing what she was doing. But Jesus saw even the smallness of that gift uh, he points out. And, and I think he points it out as a, as a source of inspiration to us. You know, I think of St. Augustine, who always told the... Uh, you know, the early Christians, you can never outdo the generosity of God. Uh, You know, the more generous we are, uh, the more that we are going to receive in return in ways that we may never even imagine. And, And I think the widow stands as a testimony to just being able to give everything we can. She, she had to have complete trust in God that knowing that God would take care of her and um, she was able to do that. I don't think we're expected to give everything we have, but the question becomes, you know, what is at the heart of our generosity? Uh, do we expect to be repaid? Um, do we expect to get noticed? Uh, you know, do we want people to be beholden to us? You know, what what do we give out of the means that we have? Um, you know, is, is it really sufficient? Um, you know, the Protestants have a real sense of tithing uh, from the scripture of giving a certain percentage uh, um, of, of, of what they have as a recognition to the fact that it, that it came from God in the first place. I, I guess what I'm trying to say is at the end of the day, we, these are questions we need to struggle with spiritually. There is no black and white answer, but we have to look into our heart and through prayer and and really being honest about ourselves what what can we give what are we called to give and i'm sure we'll talk about the, that today we're not only talking about money we're you know we're called right, to right. give our lives yeah well and and i think that's going to open up into an important aspect that you know as you're talking about tithing even we can sometimes silo off and say well this belongs to god the rest belongs to me and right. that that really gets us away from the idea that we are we're supposed to be called stewards of everything you know we we recognize that everything is given to us by god and it's not just simply that this is god's and the rest is mine it's it's to have an attitude that it's all god's 
He's asked me to trust him and give back a certain amount to the work that he's doing to be charitable, to be generous. But then he has given me the rest to provide for what I need in my life. And that I, I, I think it's so hard to have that concept of stewardship. But even with tithing, you know, we need to get away from that idea of here's yours, here's mine, and just say it's all yours. Thank you for giving me the rest that I can use for myself, God. Well, you know, it's funny the because I think uh, you mentioned the poor widow. The other parable in Luke's gospel is about the rich fool, you know, who who had so much, he had no place to put it. So what does he decide to do? To tear down his barns and build larger ones so that he could, you know, hoard everything. He had, you know, no sense of being connected to others, no sense of of, of a gratitude to God for the blessings he had. He all he could do is focus on himself and protecting his life. And, you know, he says, now I can sit back and, and be merry and drink and everything will be fine. And, and God says, you fool, this night I'll take your life from you. And where where is all of this going to go? So he, he represents a complete different attitude and position in life than the poor widow. Talking with Father Chris Stubna today here on The Inner Life and about how we can be more generous here on this Feast of St. Nicholas and also want to invite you into the conversation. What has helped you to be a more generous person? What are some ways that you have tried to be a giving person rather than someone who only takes or tries to keep for yourself? Is it difficult for you to be generous? Is it something that you struggle with, being being selfish in maybe certain areas of your life? You're welcome to call in and speak with Father Stubna here. Our phone number, 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. And coming up next, we'll talk about how we really can become more generous and how we can avoid falling into that trap of greed or covetousness. That's next here on The Inner Life on Relevant Radio and The Relevant Radio app. This hour is sponsored by St. Gregory Recovery Center helping you or a loved one live a substance-free life. Information at RelevantRadio.com slash Gregory. That's RelevantRadio.com slash Gregory. I don't know if he was actually little. Um, <laughs> I don't think we have the uh, the height of St. Nicholas. And obviously, uh, the Beach Boys, they're singing about a little different iteration uh, from the true St. Nicholas that we're talking about today here on The Inner Life. Hi, I'm Josh Raymond, joined today by Father Chris Stubna. He is a priest in the Diocese of Pittsburgh, rector of St. Paul Cathedral Parish there in Pittsburgh, and welcoming you to call in and join the conversation. Our phone number here into the studio, 888-914-9149, as we're talking about how we can be more generous in our lives today. 888-914-9149. How have you been able to be more generous? Maybe to stretch yourself a little, to be able to grow in that trust. And, you know, the times that I've done that in my life where I've said, okay, you know, it seems like this might be a little bit 
more than I should, but you know, God, it, I, I, I have this sense you want this from me. You're asking me to step out here and be a little more generous to trust you. And I've never, I've never had any regret over those moments where I have trusted God. And even, even after those, I don't know how you are, after those moments, I still can find myself lacking in trust the next time that God wants me to do something. Uh, how have you been able to grow in that trust in your life? How have you been able to experience that in being generous? 888-914-9149. Father Stubna, so we talked about the widow. Uh, You mentioned uh, the widow who, who, you know, Jesus points out giving her two coins, her whole livelihood. You mentioned the parable of the man who, you know, he stores up all this wealth for himself and then God says, you fool, you know, you've, you, uh, your life will be ended tonight. Your soul will be taken. And what good will all of this wealth do for you? And there's this common misquote from Scripture. Uh, this is St. Paul in his first letter to St. Timothy in the sixth chapter. We commonly will hear this misquoted saying that money is the root of all evil. Mm-hmm. St. Paul actually says that it's the love of money that is the root of all evil. And actually something that stood out to me when I pulled it up and read it, uh, the translations I have here, a couple of them, it says the root of all evils, plural. It has an S on the end there. So the mm-hmm. love of money is the root of all evils. Uh, and I think it's important that we distinguish that there really is nothing sinful in having money, even having a lot of money. It's if we have that love of money, if we're obsessed with acquiring more wealth. And that's what St. Paul actually writes about right before that famous line, for the love of money is the root of all evils. He says right before that, those who desire to be rich, they fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and hurtful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction. And then he follows up, for the love of money is the root of all evils. So if we're obsessed with it, if we're really just focused on getting rich, that's where we get into lots of trouble. Sure. And I think, I think you hit on the, you know, you hit right on the point that uh, St. Paul is trying to make and I think is part of church teaching because what, what that really is speaking about is greed. And we know that greed is, or avarice is, you know, one of the seven capital sins. They're the the worst sins of all because uh, they lead to other sins. And those that really love money to that extent, uh, uh, you know, greed can take over and greed leads to all kinds of, of, of problems in human life. Uh, you know, a self-centered approach to living, it can lead to tremendous anxiety about things. It can lead people to steal. It can lead people to acts of injustice against other people so that they can make even more money. Um, you know, so when we move in that direction, we're opening ourselves up to really be harmed spiritually by so many other things uh, that flow from that, um, you know, focus. Uh, we, we just become consumed with with the desire to acquire things. We convince ourselves that we need them, uh, you know, for our happiness, when in effect they are destroying our heart. Well, and that kind of goes back to what Jesus says where there's that rich young man that comes before him, asks, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? Mm-hmm. And Jesus says, you know, follow all the commandments. The young man says, I've done, I've done that basically, basically my whole life. And Jesus says, you lack one thing, sell all you have and come and follow me. Yeah. And it says that 
the young man goes away sad because he had many possessions. And so I don't think we should ignore, because right after that, Jesus makes the statement, it's more difficult for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter heaven, to which, you know, this, this... makes his disciples say, then who can enter heaven? If, if you know, somebody who's well off can't do it, who, who can? Um, so if we find ourselves in a position where we do have a certain degree of wealth, we probably need to be even more on guard that it's, it's not going to become this kind of stumbling block to our faith. We have to be aware that, okay, God has blessed me with this, but don't let this then detract from my relationship with God, and, and and probably even more important at that point, as we were talking about during the last uh, segment, really adopting that attitude of a steward, that it's not mine, it's yours, God, what do you want me to do with this? Right, I wanted to, just to make one point in following up to your, uh, your comment, uh, you know, I am always struck by Pope Francis's teaching and reflections when he, you know, sometimes... Um, when we're generous or we think we're helping the poor, we uh, we don't realize that the poor are really uh, in a better place than we are. You know, Pope Francis says because they're, they're freed from all of this and uh, they're able to live a more simple life, his experience is that they're far more happy. They're far more peaceful. They're far more aware of, of, of how God works in their lives and certainly uh, more grateful. And I guess I wanted to make that point that, you know, many of the church fathers speak about, uh, you know, the inability to be generous really at its root uh, is a, a lack of gratitude. You know, generosity flows from gratitude and from gratefulness. And we are reminded in the scriptures, especially St. Paul, almost every letter, to be grateful, to be thankful for all things at all times, for everything that's happened. Um, it, we, we have to foster that sense that, that whatever we have been given, uh, even if we're extremely wealthy, everything we have is, is really from God. And, uh, you know, what sense of gratitude do we have? Because it, it begins to free us up uh, to be able then to be a person that can share what we have, uh, to be more uh, attentive to the needs of other people around us. Uh, and, and that whole call to faithful stewardship is is really to be at the service of the body of Christ. When one member suffers, all members suffer, St. Paul says. You know, how mindful are we of our duty, our obligation, our responsibility to lift up everyone uh, in the body of Christ, uh, depending on our means? So I've got I've got follow-up questions on what you're saying here about gratitude, but I also want to go back to something that you were talking about in regards to the sin of greed or avarice. Mm-hmm. Um, so let, let's talk about greed first. And you mentioned it's one of the seven deadly sins, leads to so many other areas where we can enter into sin. Another word that we encounter that's associated with greed, it's in the last two of the Ten Commandments, the word covet. Uh, can you kind of help us understand what's the relationship between greed and covetousness? What's the difference? Help us differentiate as well as understand how the two kind of play off of each other. Yeah, so, you know, um, the envy is really where these things are connected because we, um, you know, a person who begins to be consumed by greed can't really appreciate or even celebrate another success. Uh, 
we we begin to uh, I think the Catechism of the Catholic Church says it that 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 people can be filled with sadness at the sight of another's prosperity. Uh, you know they're uh, so consumed with uh, so much desire for things that that we look at what other people have and begin to covet that, to desire that, to want to have that and even more than that person. Uh, it, it, it becomes a source of status uh, in the world in which we live. And of course, it's connected to power. Uh, people come to believe that the more they have, the more powerful they can be. So uh, rather than celebrating another's uh, success uh, and another person's blessings and to rejoice for their for them and and um, the goodness that they have, we uh, pe- you know people that are consumed by greed can can be so self centered that that uh, it, it, everything is focused on themselves and what yeah. they need to acquire. Oh, well, I think there's also there could be this danger of rationalizing our selfishness, our greed, by saying to myself, well. I'm only trying to gain all of this to you know to to become wealthier for my wife or for my kids for my spouse you know I, I I or maybe I am trying to help other people in need but I'm <laughs> I'm using that as a way to gain more money you know I I might be kind of being a bit deceitful to myself about my true motives and I I can probably see in certain ways that I might then indulge myself, you know, mm-hmm. um, I, sure. I might be giving a lot to charity. I might be doing things that helps my family, but I also might be splurging on extra things for me too. having this kind of attitude of, well, I deserve this. Look at, you know, all the, all the things I'm doing. So I think we can rationalize all kinds of problematic behaviors that can feed into this too. Yeah, I, th- I think that's the spiritual j- danger that we've been talking about um, and, and why Jesus, I mean, we can't avoid what he did say, that, that, that it is very difficult to have wealth and, and, and to keep faithful to the spiritual path that is set before us to live the way uh, that, that, that Jesus hopes. Because we can, we can begin to rationalize. Um, you know, every person needs, uh, has a responsibility in the world to, you know, to provide for their families, their children, Absolutely. to, yeah. to uh, 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 be able to acquire the things that people need. There's, there's, there's nothing sinful in that or wrong about that. But, but then we do have to weigh every day uh, our obligations um, to serve the poor. Uh, you know, what we briefly said about faithful stewardship, there's an obligation as a member of the church to be able to share generously uh, our time, our talent, and our treasure. Those are the three foundations of, of, of what it means to be a faithful steward of the church. And how willing are we to, you know, to look at that honestly and, and uh, make those decisions that are going to free us sometimes from pursuing these things selfishly and recognizing our duty, our obligation, our responsibility to help to build up the body of Christ. Uh, I'd like to go back then to the other uh, question that I had for you based on what you were saying about gratitude and that generosity is really an outpouring of gratitude. How do you think we can, if, I, if I'm if i somebody who I'm listening to what you're saying, Father, and 
I just don't find myself having that, that, that experience of being grateful for many things in life. It seems like life is just burden after burden. It's, you know, just this, this series of difficulties and struggles. How, what are some ways that maybe I can try and increase that gratitude in my life? Yeah. I'm always reminded of something C.S. Lewis said, that he, he said that there's basically two kinds of people in the world, those that see life as the glass half empty and the, the other group that sees life as the glass half full. And I think part of it is our nature, our, our outlook on life, our disposition. But, but the challenge is really to begin to know and see and experience life uh, as the glass half full. Uh, recognizing every day uh, the blessings that we have received uh, uh, through Christ, you know, and uh, from God himself. Um, and, and those gifts have to be reflected on. So, you know, you think, I ask people sometimes in spiritual direction, how much time do you spend on, on prayers of thanksgiving uh, as opposed to prayers of petition? asking God for things. You know, do we do we build into our spiritual lives a time to call to mind those blessings? You know, we just came through Thanksgiving where, you know, intentionally we're asked to do that. But but part of our prayer life, part of our everyday experience has to be to look into our hearts and uh, see where God is at work. You know, um, see the blessings that we do have and be able to thank the Lord for that. We, we have to foster a sense of gratitude. Uh, it, it, it is a virtue. And virtues, aren't, we aren't born with virtues. We have, to, we have to gain them. You know, we need practice. Right. And um, gratitude is really at the very heart of the Christian life. And I do, I do think if, if we're not grateful, if we can't see the blessings, it's going to be almost impossible to be generous. Well, and I want to draw attention to something you've said a couple times now, that it's something we do every day. It's a daily practice. It's something that we're, you know, we're not just every once in a while coming back to work on this. It's something that has to be a focus of our lives every single day. And that's where those virtues will actually grow, um, you know, when there is that, that time, that effort, that regular consistency put in. Again, talking with Father Chris Stubna today here on The Inner Life. He's the rector of the St. Paul Cathedral Parish in Pittsburgh and taking your phone calls at 888-914-9149. Talking about generosity here on this Feast of St. Nicholas and what are some ways that you've been generous? Maybe you haven't been generous in the past. It's been a struggle, and you've been able to grow in your gratitude and the generosity that you have been able to give out in your life. What has helped you? What are some of the things that have allowed you to grow in your generosity? Or maybe right now you're really struggling with that, struggling to be generous. You find yourself regularly being kind of that glass half empty, that selfish person, and you'd like some advice, some encouragement from Father Stubna. Again, the phone number 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. Our conversation continues in just a moment here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. The Catholic Order of Foresters, the sponsor of our studio's line, is hiring today. Several positions available throughout the U.S. Visit relevantradio.com forester to learn more about how you can find your vocation with COF an Illinois Life Insurance Society not licensed in all states. 
Welcome back to The Inner Life here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. I'm Josh Raymond. So glad to have you here with us during this hour dedicated to spiritual direction on Relevant Radio. And today I'm talking with Father Chris Stubna. He is a priest in the Diocese of Pittsburgh talking about generosity. How can we be more generous people here on this Feast of St. Nicholas, a great example for us of generosity, of charity and also inviting you into the conversation. Our phone number, 888-914-9149. If you have a question about uh, how to be more generous, about how to live that out in your life, you're welcome to call in and speak with Father Stubna, 888-914-9149. Father, we've talked a lot about money, about material possessions, but as we talk about being generous or on the other side, being selfish or greedy, you know, in in areas of life— I, I think there's, you know, the ability to be selfish with relationships. You know, I can be selfish maybe with a, the company of a friend demanding more of their time than I should. Or, you know, am I keeping them away from other family or work obligations that they have? But I can also be generous in the way that I, uh, you know, I devote more of my time to maybe an elderly parent who needs some extra care. Um, maybe they, you know, if if my mother or my father, they are alone now, you know, my, one of my parents has died and the other one is alone. There might be the ability to be generous there in spending more time with them. Uh, again, as long as I'm not neglecting things I have in other areas of my life, um, we can be generous by simply volunteering, you know, whether that's mm-hmm. at our parish or, you know, maybe some other worthy charitable uh, organization. There's all all kinds of ways that I think we can look and say there can be this, this attitude of greed or this attitude of generosity, and it doesn't just have to come down to material possessions or wealth. Right, right. I mean, our, our um, inspiration here really is the call to, to lay down our lives uh, in, in service to the people of God uh, uh, in imitation of the, of the Lord himself, you know, who offered his life in love for our salvation. And um, we're, we're called, number one, I think, to be mindful of the needs of others. Sometimes, uh, you know, we do, particularly in America, we do live in a very uh, uh, self-centered, me-focused culture. Uh, it it's, um, creates tremendous obstacles to living the kind of Christian ideal when everyone around us uh, really tells us we have to be concerned about, about ourselves. And yet, uh, as a Christian, we've got to break out of that modality and really be mindful, take notice, be aware of the needs of other people around you. Uh, even, even a, for example, belonging to a parish. It, it's not just about coming to Mass on Sunday and dropping the envelope in. You know, what, what does a parish need? We have uh, people at home that need to receive communion. Uh, we have people in the hospital, in nursing homes that can be visited. Uh, you mentioned our own call to, to be mindful of family members. You know, the corporal works of mercy are really the ways in which we can offer our lives through our kindness. Um, you know, we've all been blessed with gifts. Uh, they're all different, but they're all needed really to serve God's people and to build up the church. So I, I think the call to generosity is to really look at what we might be able to do. Um, you know, one small example in my own parish, we, we don't have the luxury of having a cook. Uh, and 
you know, one woman noticed that, you know, we, we don't always have the time to cook for ourselves, but she organized a whole group of people in the parish who provide a meal once a week so that all the priests can sit down and eat. And they, they love doing that because they love to cook. And if they're cooking for their family, they can just cook a little bit more and drop it off at the rectory. But it, it's been such a blessing for us. But, but people don't realize that they might be able to be generous uh, in, in ways that, um, you know, they don't even think of at first. Yeah. Uh, you know, in, in all of this, too, as we look at areas of our lives where that selfishness, that greed might have its claws kind of dug in just a little bit. Can you talk to us about how this this really should be kind of a warning sign that if we're trying to acquire or get more, it really means we feel like something's lacking in our lives. And there's that very, very famous line from St. Augustine, you know, that where he says in his, it's, it's very near the opening of uh, his confessions. He says, our hearts are restless, O Lord, until they rest in you. What do you think is the first step we can take in not having that restlessness that, you know, we feel like we need to fill that void, whatever it might be, with something? How do we reorient ourselves so that we we recognize those selfish areas and that they're not really the thing that's lacking. The thing that's lacking is that relationship with God. Where, where do we start with this, Father? No, I, 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 again, I think that's at the heart of the of the of the um, the way that we move forward spiritually. Uh, m- most of these things uh, really do speak to, uh, of, you know, the call. Uh, to, you know, there's the catechism says we each have a fundamental calling to. Uh, to to real happiness, uh, you know that desire for for true peace, and that is only going to be found in our relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And uh, the, the first step to that is to really recognize that it's a call to faith, to deeper faith in God. It's a call to spend more time, uh, uh, even incrementally. You know, sometimes people that don't pray feel like they can't really pray because they just don't have hours and hours of time, but but we do have ways that we can pray 10 more minutes, you know, or f- find a little bit of time in the course of our day to begin to build up that relationship with God. Uh, you know, during Advent, during Lent, there, uh, we encourage people to try to find one extra day to come to Mass during the week. Um, people that begin to do those things, to open their hearts, to kind of build a deeper relationship with Jesus Christ, w- will really find uh, that that some of that desire for other things begins to be lessened, yeah. um, and 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 the room that we need to fill is really God's grace and His love, and we receive that most especially in the sacramental life of the church. Well, and even as you're talking about, we receive in the sacramental life of the church. As you were talking earlier, going to mass, you know, th- there's more to parish life than just going there and getting what we what we get out of it. Um, and I think it might be easier for us to be more generous towards others. But maybe we can talk here in our remaining few minutes about being generous toward God, um, because there is so much of our, our our approach there to the Eucharist to confession. I need this. I know I need this because I know I'm lacking. But how can I then also approach coming to 
the Eucharist and being generous towards God. What does that look like in practice to be generous toward God? Yeah, I I, I think beginning uh, um, to, you know, recognize our need for the Lord opens our hearts up more deeply to a, to a, a deeper appreciation of, of how God has blessed us. And I think the, the generosity that God wants of us is is a, a real sense of of of, of gratitude of thanksgiving of praise uh, of 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 recognizing that he is at the center of our lives and the more that we put him there i think i think that's how we're generous to god recognizing that we can't live without him you know the catechism says we have to pray more often than we breathe air uh, our our generosity to god is really offering uh, our time our our humility you know, coming to recognize our need for him depends a great deal on recognizing that we're sinners. You know, that was the grace of the saints. We, we can't sustain ourselves in this life. Um, we, we need to grow more deeply in our dependency completely on God. So, so our generosity to God is really an invitation to allow ourselves to be with him, to allow him to enter our lives more deeply. Well, and also not to, you know, I said we've been talking about being generous to others, Mm -hmm. but when we are generous to others, you know, if we look at what Jesus says as he's describing the parable of the sheep and the goats, that's one that seems to come up here again and again and again on the inner life. But when we give, when we feed to the hungry, when we give clothing to the poor, visit those who are sick or in prison, being generous with our time, with our resources in this way, Jesus tells us in that, in those those actions, we are indeed being generous and helping him. Yes, because we are, we are ultimately at the end of the day uh, doing what Mother Teresa always said, uh, being able to recognize the face of Christ in each and every person. You know, that's where God is. Uh, we, we serve him in the least of our brothers and sisters because that's where he is. And to be able to recognize that and realize that we're, we're not just helping someone who's poor, we're, we're really coming in communion more deeply with God himself and helping to build up the body of Christ uh, in unity and love and faith. You mentioned Mother Teresa, and she's a saint who could obviously, you know, beyond the time we've had here in this broadcast, good resource for somebody to read a little bit more, be inspired in how to grow in generosity. Any other saints or other, you know, writings or resources you might recommend if somebody wants to delve a little bit more into how to uh, how to be generous, how to avoid the sin of greed? Um, you know, I think I think examples like that, of course, of Mother Teresa, Saint Francis of Assisi, reading some of the lives of the saints, where where we really do, uh, um, you know, begin to see how a people uh, like Saint Nicholas, we talked about, many of these people had had tremendous wealth. Saint Elizabeth of Hungary, for example, another person, uh, you know, Saint Louis uh, the Ninth, who who gave really had a sense, a deep sense of profound uh, 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 Christian service where they really knew that they had to take what they had uh, and, and offer it in service to others to help to really answer that call from God to, to more perfect holiness of life. So th- there are a number of saints like that that I think can inspire us. 
Father Chris Stubina, I want to thank you for being with us here today on this Feast of St. Nicholas, and we're down to our last minute. Could I ask you to offer a blessing for our listeners? Sure. Heavenly Father, as we honor St. Nicholas, one of the great defenders of the faith today and a man of tremendous generosity and and compassion and charity, we pray that we'll be inspired by his example uh, to offer our lives, our time, our talent, the treasure we've been given, all of the blessings you give to us without measure, that we will be able to share those generously with others, most especially that we'll be attentive to our call to serve the poor Uh, so that in doing that, we might really be able to gain uh, more deeply our life of communion in you and to gain eternal life. Be with us and help us in all things through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Father Stubna. And I want to say also thank you to Nick Sentovich and Thomas Engesser helping to produce the program today. If you joined us late, of course, you can find the podcast. It'll be posted shortly here at our website, relevantradio.com, or on the Relevant Radio app. When you're there, make sure you look at, there's a, uh, a link there to a story about St. Nicholas, giving a little bit more explanation of who he is and some background on him. Of course, I want to encourage you to sign up for Father Rocky's Advent Inspirations. You can also find that where you can click and get those sent daily to your email inbox. And stay with us. We've got Mass coming up here in just a few moments on Relevant Radio. See you back here tomorrow on The Inner Life.